Okay, welcome to another episode of Just Us, the podcast about mental health and the justice system and how purpose and creative expression can be used to make meaning and cope. Today I have two of my closest friends with me, Lauren Novak and Alan Hansa. They are the owners of Legacy the Label and they have, they both have a very, very interesting story to how, you know, you guys got to where you are now. So welcome you guys. Thank you. Tell us who you are and what you do. Okay, so I am Ellen. I am a therapist that works with kids into like young adult age, um, in addition to some like family and parent training. And I am one of the founders of Legacy the Label. Yes, and I'm Lauren. I am also a child and family therapist um, in my fifth year of my doctoral program, getting a doctor in clinical psychology. Um, so I'm also a co-founder of Legacy the Label. Amazing. So yeah, we met in... We go way back. The beautiful state. <laughs> the beautiful South Florida. Oh. Armpit of America. <laughs> <laughs> no shade, but shade. Um, and we are all in our fifth year of our doctoral program. We are all getting our doctorate in clinical last psychology. Lap. The last lap. Um, so yeah, are you guys ready to get into it? Let's get deep Very into it. Very excited to be here. All right, it's just us. So I kind of want to start from your guys' childhood. Okay. As any Diving typical right therapist in. would do. Wow, yeah. Um, I kind of want you guys to, you know, tell us what your upbringing was like. And you guys are from the Midwest, correct? Yes. The good old Midwest. <laughs> um, so, you know, what does the Midwest mean to you guys? Oh, gosh. That's loaded. Um, I mean, Midwest is definitely my home. I feel like I'll always find like comfort and just feel like really grounded in the Midwest. Um, I'm going to be made fun of probably of how I say bag, which is like the biggest thing <laughs> the Midwest turns bag. into bag, bag. Um, but yeah, um, not a lot of diversity. I will, I will be very transparent and, you know, open about that right away. And that's something that I've had to, um, kind of learn about myself and learn what biases that I hold, whether it's conscious or unconscious. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, um, I can build a little off of that. I think I grew up in a suburb of Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, and it was, um, I would say, similar, not diverse. I live in Minneapolis now, and it, I think the city is much different than the suburbs. Mm -hmm. um, but Midwest to me, I think just like values wise, um, I do appreciate that the Midwest seems to care a lot about, you know, they say Midwest nice, which I would argue is passive. Um, and I think that's something South Florida has helped me with is being a lot more direct. But um, I will say that the Midwest values really hone in on like um, the people around you, their community, um, fa like family values. And I think that that's something that I grew up holding near and dear to me, like supporting the people that really support me back. Um, and that's something I think that I'm very happy for having those Midwest values. Yeah. It's so interesting. I love like learning about little things about the Midwest because I've never been. And Not so yet, but you're coming. I need to come. <laughs> <laughs> Book the flight. Um, I've been to Boston twice now. I know. You're not right. even, you haven't even come to Boston. need to reverse here. They do. <laughs> Good old roll reversal. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think I love like learning about, I don't know, just about where you guys came from and how 
we have like definitely have differences, but then also the similarities and like little things that we do or how we grew up. Mm -hmm. um, so speaking of which, talk to me a little bit about your childhood and your upbringing and whether you guys feel it was like a positive, a negative, a little bit of both, what you know your upbringing means to you starting from the beginning. Yeah, I can start. Um, I definitely feel like overall I had a very positive upbringing. I had very supportive, caring parents who supported me in everything that I, I wanted to do. I was very involved in sports. I feel like sports like defined my childhood. Like I was, I was four sport athlete, like, you know, every single season was a different sport and trying to get involved in different community organizations. Um, but I also had just like everyone else I had struggles and I had faced adversity. Um, and a lot of that ties back to mental health and mental illness, which is why I am where I'm at today. Amen. Um, yes. Yeah. I think we definitely all joke about that. Like in the mental health field, like, oh, we're therapists for a reason. Right. <laughs> um, so we yep. all, we all have our traumas. We all have our skeletons in the closet. Um, I think something different about you and I, Lauren, is that um, I wouldn't say I came from like a nuclear family. Um, I had a lot of like family drama, whatever that looks like. Um, grew up mostly with my mom, brother and I, um, and I'm very thankful for that. We are three peas in a pod. We are strong. Um, but I think that definitely impacted my outlook and like childhood experience, so to speak. Um, as much as I was like kind of in this mainstream school, I'd, I wouldn't say ne necessarily had that mainstream experience. Yeah. Um, I did have family members that were like, you know, in the system in terms of getting in trouble and dealing with that in terms of, I guess, many things, but also on top of that, like dealing with a family that had that drama and not that nuclear um, unit, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that has impacted me a lot. and. Again, one of the main reasons, like you said, why I decided that mental health was important to me was was stemming from that. Yeah, definitely. Do you guys think that mental health was talked about when you were younger? So not whether or not you guys experienced or had experiences with mental health, but do you feel like it was talked about, whether that was in the family, whether that was at school? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, I just mentioned like, oh, like I had people, you know, in the system and like this kind of dramatic upbringing. Mental health was not talked about at all. Um, and that's a little bit eye opening to me, too, because I guess I have never really thought about that. Um, because I me being a therapist, I could think about many family members and I'm like, you have this diagnosis, <laughs> you have this challenge and like, yeah. you know, substance abuse, especially um runs very high in my family. Um, so it is interesting that like that wasn't discussed. Um, I would say I would say that there was nonverbals yeah. in my family. Like for example, my mom, um, she's the best person ever. <laughs> she, because I had substance abuse in my family, she did not have alcohol in the home at all. Yep. So that wasn't to say we didn't me and my siblings didn't drink on her age. Um, but I also think that we maybe didn't have the like socially acceptable drinking 
um, within the house of like like my parents modeling that behavior because we only saw the abusive side of it yeah. growing up. Um, and sometimes I do wish that I had that like my parents modeling like, oh, you can you can drink. Like those norms. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. you know, my mom drinks wine, whatever, but it's not like, you know, she would not have hard alcohol in the house, things yeah. like that. Um, she is, it's interesting because now that my siblings are all adults and we're all like, you know, we've coped with those things. Um, we do have alcohol in the house now right. because I think we've all overcome that um, as a unit. Mm-hmm. But growing up, it was not that way. And I think I had this very skewed sense of what mental health was and mon- and what like substance abuse was because it wasn't necessarily discussed. It was kind of like this like like undiscussed to- yeah, topics. Yeah. I don't want to say secret necessarily because... My mom's always very open, but it just, yeah, it wasn't like, oh, we should discuss what, what this even is. Right. So you knew that something was there, but there was never like, what did I just say? There was never like a, like uh, like what? Yeah. It wasn't like labeled, so <laughs> to speak. That's exactly what I was going to uh, say. No I labeled, do know. You know, like, oh yeah, yeah, they're an alcoholic. Like we can label that now, but that wasn't labeled when I was eight. Yes. Exactly. Um, and, and even the, um. The aftermath of that, like the the aggression and the trauma and the anxiety and the depression that can stem from a lot of substance abuse. Um, so, yeah, I think that was kind of swept under the rug. Yeah. How about you, Lauren? Do you feel like it was ever talked about? Yes. Okay. Um, I, I almost feel like I'm on the other side of the spectrum where I feel like it was like so ingrained and so talked about so frequently. And I think there was a certain part of that that I wasn't able to grasp at the developmental level that I was at. So a lot of that had to do with, you know, certain events that happened within my family. Um, I had a particular family member in my immediate family that was really struggling and was really, um, you know, having suicidal ideation and, you know, was hospitalized at various points during that. And so I think um, that element of like family therapy, I was involved in that from a very young age. And so we talked about um, it in that sense, but I think a lot of it tied back to the person in my family that was struggling. Yep. And so it was like, how do we support her mental health? How do we support what she's trying to do and what she's trying to overcome right now? Right. And in that sense, I think that I probably could have, you know... Um, like used your own support almost. Benefited, yeah, like benefited from maybe like some more individual therapy and, and stuff like that. And so that's something that I've had to kind of be aware of and reflect on, especially when I'm working with um, populations or specific um, clients that are having, you know, we talk about countertransference is like a big for thing sure. that we talk about of, you know, what feelings are coming up in the room for you when you're working with patients? What feelings are, and how are those feelings impacting the treatment and the work that you're doing with your clients? And so... From that sense, I feel like I've had to be really aware of that and had to really um, understand, okay, is am I feeling this way or am I um, you know, having these this perception because of what's actually going on and what's reality or what I'm bringing into the room because yep. of my own experiences? Absolutely. So do you feel like that was your first experience with mental health? Was your like the experience with your family member? Was that the first time that you were like, okay, this is... Yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, and I think, um, there were other people in my family that were not as open about talking about their own mental health too. 
Um, so we were all really comfortable talking about the particular person who was in crisis yep. in my family. And we we're all very comfortable talking about, okay, what does that look like for our family system? Mm-hmm. We weren't as comfortable talking about what are we experiencing and how are we affected by like how, it, how it impacts everyone else. Right. Right. Which is probably now so important. And now that you're like in the field, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. this was happening. But what was also happening with all of us Absolutely. Like right. in that moment? And I think, too, even listening to us talk right now, no wonder we're freaking family <laughs> therapists. We're like, okay, yeah, we understand, <laughs> right. you know, family member A is, like, the spotlight here, but B, C, and D, like, they're being impacted, and we need to also look at that angle. Um, so it is interesting to hear kind of our background and why we like to incorporate the family system as a whole. Yep. Um, and something, too, that I think you touched on that's really important to think about is, like, how age-appropriate is all education for mental health? Like, for someone who is a younger sibling dealing with maybe a, a older sibling who is suicidal, how can I explain that to a 7-year-old in a way that is appropriate for their mind? Yeah. Um, no one knows the answer to that. No. As a parent, you that's not something you're educated on. Like, yep. you're not expected to know the answer to that, but that's something that I think at least I, and you, I would love to hear your your opinion, but that I hold near and dear to my heart. Like, okay, let's talk through what that, what that conversation is going to look like with your seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. How might they react? How might we, you know, deal with that reaction? Because I don't necessarily think people grasp that like I can't just say to my seven-year-old oh your your older brother wants to kill himself mm-hmm. um and being a family unit like you really need to to take the different levels of each family member and the different factors of each family member and that's why I think family therapy can be so helpful because it because it is taking all those factors in yeah. and really specializing it to each individual kid and that can be our make or break for sure. Situation mm-hmm. for that person and, and like the trajectory of their life. Definitely. And I think that that's actually a really good point. And I think that's a really good topic. I feel like we could probably talk for, for an hours. hour. Hours. Literally. Just hours. about <laughs> like when is an appropriate age to like bring the topic of mental yes. health into the conversation? Because I think, you know, and I'm not a parent, so obviously I can't really speak to like a direct experience. And I think that every parent will have a different experience with their child. But even just the way that emotions are discussed or maybe dismissing certain emotions or whatever it is, I think those little things make a big difference. Make like, a huge yeah. difference in someone's like developmental period mm-hmm. that I think, you know, maybe people who aren't in the mental health field like us maybe don't think about as much. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause like, you know, yeah. When I think about my parents or like even my sister, like she has kids, I'm like, I wonder how much she thinks about that. And then I think about me and I see my nieces and I'm like, oh, if she was, if that was my daughter, like, what would I say if she was crying or if she was, you know, and talking about like the emotion and, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think those are all things that are so important. I think something that's ingrained in me and I've, I've definitely noticed in both of you guys that (laughs) calling us out. Yeah, no, no, this is a good thing. This is like a compliment. I think that when we're in public or, or with family members, we model the behaviors that were taught as a therapist. That's so true. We did it um, last night. We were literally at a brewery last mm-hmm. night yep. and we saw a child fall down and we're like, no one react. Yep. The kid is fine. If we think the kid is fine, they'll think that kid fine. is going to think <laughs> yes. he is fine. We really um, did. We were like, nobody, we were like, oh, yay. Yep. Like, oh, no. <laughs> you, got, you got up. You don't need yep. to cry. Great. 
claps to you. Um, and that's like such a simple thing mm-hmm. that we think is common knowledge, but it's not. Yep. It's not common knowledge. And so even to share those little, you know, tips and tidbits with other parents, they're like, oh my God, that's so easy. Why didn't I think of that? And I'm like, okay, well, we've been in school for five years, so <laughs> that's why you didn't think of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. You're allowed not to think of it. It's 100%. fine. That's so, so true. I think there are those things too that that modeling, even as therapists, like it's just such ingrained in our lifestyle that that does make an impact as well, I guess, in my opinion. Yeah. Do you guys think that can, it can be almost unhelpful in a way too? In, to talk in about a, it? No, in the sense of like, do you feel like your ther- like so-and-so uh, quote unquote, like therapist hat is on too many times during interactions with other people that aren't therapists? It depends on the situation. I find myself a lot of times not putting on my therapist hat. But I will say from working in like within the justice system and corrections, Mm. for instance, like random things that will happen, I put on that hat, like almost like a like I get like hyper vigilant a little bit and with other like with staff, with staff or even just in public. Like if I'm like, for instance, this is like a stupid example, but at Target the other day I was getting back into my car and I saw an individual walk up to a Target employee and was like did you find a phone? You were the only person that grabbed that cart. Like we left our phone in there. Like, where's our phone? Are you the one that has my phone? And so I found myself waiting to get into my car because I was almost in my head like, oh, I almost need to like, do I need to step in? And then I was like, no, Morgan, just get in your car. You always want to help people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm a little bit different. I think that I have a really good compartmentalization of therapy in my my real life um but I would say that like my reaction to even like social news or like events Mm -hmm. um that involve therapy topics like whether it be women's rights you know civil rights all these kinds of things I think I have a very strong reaction that is probably through my therapy lens yes I would agree with that Mm -hmm. definitely yeah, I want to take a pause. Okay. I want to take a time out because okay. I want to cheers. Oh, yes. We love a good Always cheers. down for a cheers. Cheers. What are we, wait, what are we cheersing to, Morgan? Yeah. Ooh, not to put you on the spot, but I want to hear a good one. So this is, actually, this is actually good. This is important because I feel like everybody should know a good cheers. Like everyone should have one in their head, and I never do. And I've heard some good ones, and I'm like, I need to memorize something. Like have you guys heard that one that's like, Here's to you and here's to me, the best friends. of friends. One, no. Do you know That's it? That's the most yes, basic. You know How it? do you say it? Everyone does that. Here's to ships and ships and ships and ships and the best ships are friendships. So cheers. <laughs> you know what? I'm over that one. I want to hear a genuine, authentic. No, Morgan I know, but I go just us. Th- cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Drink to that. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's yeah, go. but also yes and. I also want to have one that's like, here's to you, here's to me, the best friends will ever be. And if in something you don't agree, then fuck you and here's to me. Cheers to you. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) All right, I'm going to drink. But yeah, no, for real. Like, I'm very happy to have you guys guys. here. I was going to say reunification. Like, cheers to reunification because it's been two motherfucking long distance best friends. Cheers to long distance best friends. So good. Do you guys remember that from That's So Raven? No. No. Okay. All right. Moving along. Anyways. (laughs) Okay, I want to go back to. Like four First. times and not one cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. I want to go back to the first experiences with mental health. Okay. Um, 
And I know that Lauren, you kind of touched on yours, but what would you say, Ellen, what would you say your first experience with mental health was, whether it was yourself or someone, you know, or when you first were like, Oh, this is a thing. Um, that's a good question. Um, That look on my face was like, I don't even know, because (laughs) um, I think thinking back to my childhood, like, I don't think I had an experience of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Me being now, I can think back to my childhood, and I'm like, oh, that was trauma, and these were the experiences, but I didn't see it through that lens at that time. Yeah. I would say I probably did not think anything about mental health until I took a psychology course in high school. I was probably at that point 16 or 17. Yeah, wow. Um, And it's funny because I, so I took AP Psych and I was like, I want to be a psychologist and I have not changed my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was the age where I was like, oh, my family member definitely has this. And, And things started to kind of connect the dots for me. And I think that was like an ongoing process throughout college where I was like still really processing like all this mental health related things and adversity in my childhood because I didn't know I didn't know what it was until I was older right for sure it's interesting it's interesting to hear like the difference of both of you yeah yeah I mean from my viewpoint on that I think it it sounds to me Ellen like you didn't have like there, like you weren't involved in any therapy when you were younger. Okay, wait, I, I actually have a correction because so my parents got divorced when I was in seventh grade mm-hmm. and my mom took me to a therapist. Oh, okay. I went to one session, fucking hated it. Yep. I was like, <laughs> fuck this lady. Yep. She knows nothing. Yep. I talked to my mom. I've always been close with my mom. Um, I'm like, I can talk to my mom if I have an issue. Like, my parents are getting divorced, which in my head was like, my problems are solved. Like, I love my yeah. life. I'm going to live with my mom, whatever. Um, I didn't go back. I went one time. I All I remember is it was an awkward conversation. She had bad tea in her office. And I was over it. I was Not over it. the bad tea. Yeah, I'm like, get better tea flavors, lady. Like, come on. You're like, I'm seven and I don't want tea. Yeah, right? Like, yeah, wait, can I how get a old, juice box? How yeah. old were you when you, when no, you had No, I made up I seven, think, but. I think I was 11. Okay. I was in seventh Still. grade. And I'm Whoop. young for my grade, so yeah. I think yeah. I was 11. And yeah, like, what 11-year-old loves tea in the first place? Like, no one. Um, but so, and my mom, it was already kind of like forced to go to the first session. I didn't go back. She didn't push it. Um, and I I have not seen a therapist since then, which is very interesting because I definitely, like, want to be in therapy. And mm-hmm. just going to just say a very, like, probably conver- controversial, controversial mm-hmm. statement that I'm going to be a therapist in however many months, whatever, yeah. when we graduate May. Um, six months from now, I'll be a therapist. I don't go to therapy right now because it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. I cannot mm-hmm. afford therapy with my very minimal money I make as a student. Yep. Um, I would love to be in therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's on the to-do list for the future, um, but just something that I can't, I literally can't afford right now. I think that what you just brought up though is a really good point for a few reasons. Number one, 
And I would love this to be a PSA to everybody. PSA? <laughs> it's very rare to go to a therapist for the first time and completely hit it off with your therapist. Yes. 1,000%. Shop around yes. for a therapist. I think it is like going to find a fucking car. You test drive it. You do all these yes. things. Yes. You can it's go see multiple. It really is an investment. And it's yes. like being able to have a therapeutic relationship with your therapist is so important. And that alone is therapeutic. So if you don't feel like it's a good fit, that is so important. Then you, yes. And you go and find someone I love else. that you said that. That is the number one thing I preach to anyone I see, whether it be a random person on the street or whether it be a client. <laughs> I even, I'm like, if you don't like me as a therapist, yep. great. Yep. I don't care. It's kind of like a best friend, a significant other. You don't love everyone. This is someone you're going to tell your deepest, dark, darkest secrets to. If you don't vibe with them, if there's not a good vibe, they got to go. Yep. They got to go. It's nothing against you. You have to find someone that you mesh with. And sometimes that takes some time as much as that sucks. Yeah. But it's a waste of time to continually pay and see someone that doesn't match your vibe. You're not going to get anywhere. Research even shows that one of the biggest predictors of good outcomes in therapy is the therapeutic alliance. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The Rep relationship. Yep. Yep. Doesn't and matter if you're doing CBT, DBT, no. like all any of that shit. Doesn't matter. Like if you are trusting and there's a safe and secure attachment and relationship with that mm -hmm. person, you're gonna you're gonna it's gonna be therapeutic. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't don't feel like I just would highly suggest also like if you go to one therapist and you're like, oh, I just like don't vibe with this person. That's okay. That's okay. And don't end there. No. Like sometimes it can seem like a hassle and everyone has to do it on their own time. But Go see someone else. See if you vibe with them. And also, you're never going to hurt a therapist's feelings. No. We are going to refer you to, <laughs> to someone, someone that yes. you could maybe connect with. And that might not be the last one either. But like, yes. Every okay. therapist you don't connect with is one step closer to the perfect therapist for you. The yes. Perfect therapist. And that's what you need. Yes. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, you already know I'm a people pleaser. I'm working on it, trying to work yeah. on it. Uh, it all stems back to my childhood. We could talk about that for hours, but, um, <laughs> I, as a th therapist was in therapy, like during grad school. Cause I was like, wow, holy shit. Like all these talking with all these people, it's bringing up yeah. all these other things for me. Like I have so many issues of my own. I really need to like get my shit together so that I can actually help other people. Mm -hmm. I was so scared to break it off with my own therapist because it wasn't at the right fit. Um, and so I just, I just stopped talking to her. I just like cut it off. Like I yeah. didn't even tell her why I didn't. And not that I ghosted. owe her anything for, I ghosted her. I go, I, I, I ghosted Damn. my own. <laughs> I know. And like, low key. You know what? Ghost your therapist though. If they're not the no, one. No, yeah, ghost literally. Them. If they don't match your vibe, ghost them. <laughs> we are here to tell you to ghost your therapist, but then yes. also go find a new therapist. But like, yes, go into the next. Okay. Move on. Just like a relationship. You ghost them, you go to the next. But yes. I, I maintained that for way too long. I should have known after probably the third session with her. Yep. This is not, this is not the vibe. Even like the this is not the session. fit. Trust your gut. You yep. guys know yeah. yourself best. If that yep. isn't the vibe, you move on. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, so Lauren and myself, we both have gone to therapy, I think, a bunch of different times. Mm -hmm. I never went when I was younger. No, nope, never went when I was younger. I think the first time I ever went to therapy was after my dad passed. 
Um, and I've been intermittently ever since then. Um, but I think that similar to what you said, Ellen, and I think Lauren, you can probably relate is I also will stop going because I can't afford it. Hey, that's a, yeah, literally. That's a and system problem. That's, that's a, a system problem. So that mm-hmm. was going to be the okay. part two to what I thought was really important that you mentioned is like resources and lack of resources. And yes. A lack of education. This A lot of this stuff can be taught in a public school at third grade. Like what are feelings? I, I do that in session with kids sometimes. But, but I also, devil's advocate, devil's advocate here, we pay more money to go to school than medical doctors and they make four plus the amount salary we do. So there is a reason why it costs so much. Yeah. Because, hi, we're going to be in student debt for the next 10 years or whatever the fuck it is. Yep. Um, which, whatever, investment in ourselves and our lives and we're thriving. Um, <laughs> not trying to, like, no shame in the game. If that's what we choose to do, that's great for us. But, yep. like, I also think there is a reason that it is so expensive. And insurance, the fact that I have to write an insurance company, hi, it's really important this child get tested for ADHD so they don't flunk out of the third grade. Yep. Just so they can say, yeah, that doesn't sound like it's a good enough reason denied. Yep. That is the biggest issue, I think. Yes. It's like why it's not covered in medical insurance. Mental health is physical health. If you don't think so, you can get the fuck out of here. 100%. And not to mention, okay, there we are three therapists, right? And we know that the system is trash. So we we want people to see therapy, like go to therapy, see therapists and get help. However, we are very aware that the system is awful. And if you have insurance, for example, we put labels on someone before we even dive in. Oh yeah. You need to diagnose someone to submit an insurance. That's so fucked. Before we have even done anything in therapy we are saying this is a provisional diagnosis because so and so and i know we can all relate because we were all in the you talk community to someone clinic for 45 minutes and you're like you have this super severe diagnosis submit because yeah. if i don't put that on that document your insurance will not pay Cover for you. the past 45 minutes yes and i know that we all probably first experienced blue that cross blue shield i'm calling you out you need to be better <laughs> Dude, fuck all the insurance companies. If I'm being real, some, like some are being better, but there are some that I'm like, why do I need, why do I need this authorized? Yeah, I'm a bitch with no insurance right now. I'll be straight up. I, <laughs> I can't even. Right. I I have we no medical relate. insurance. I was None. on Medicaid when I lived in Wisconsin, and yep. now that I make oh my little internship stipend, I don't qualify. Personally victimized by insurance. <laughs> Literally. Everybody in the room. That validation that was nice to see. No, one hundred percent because. I feel like the first time that happened to me and I really realized it because I I had to do it myself and you guys probably the same thing was when we were in our community clinic at our university and after we did that initial session, we had to write a diagnosis in the note. I mean, I do that now. Yeah, but but that was the first time that I was like, I don't know what the diagnosis is yet. You've never seen a client, your first client. The first client I've ever saw I'm so sorry. If you're if you are the girl that's listening to this podcast, I apologize <laughs> to you personally because yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. You're just thrown into this. It's like it was like a 10-year-old girl and I'm like, "All right, you you're being bullied, you have family conflict." I'm like, "Let's just talk to each other. I don't know what I'm doing." Then again, though, like give yourself credit because just talking to her probably yeah, made such right. a difference. Yeah, I just said like that's the biggest factor yep. and whatever. Yeah, we were little besties, but like it's not like I knew what therapy was. I just started school and yep. that's another issue with the system. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
No, I mean, we could rant for days. Literally, though. About yeah. problems in the education part. Yeah. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. When do you guys think that, because I know you mentioned mental health should be talked about in school, which I agree, and it should be. But when do you think, like, we have health class, and we talk about, like, okay, when what? I think of health oh, class, wait, I'm you like, put a condom on a banana? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think about health class, and I'm like, hey, remember when they put those drunk goggles on us, and we had to, like, walk and pretend, like, what? Yes. Right. How about we talk about the fact that kids are suicidal? Why? That mental what does health, that feel like? Mental health was not even a fraction no. of oh, what ever. I talked about in, what was talked about in our health classes. And it was like, oh, my God, you're seeing the guidance counselor, like, Oh my gosh, I lived in the guidance counselor's office. Are you kidding? (laughs) Me The guidance counselor was literally like, that was my classroom. No, fuck the guidance counselor. See? Mm -hmm. (laughs) See? No, no. Um, When do you guys think that, like, what grade? When Like, I don't even remember when we started having health class, but... Okay, what, we know that kids remember things at at three months old, right? That's when they start to remember things. I think you can be labeling kids... Feelings. Kids' feelings before they even know what that is. They're crying, oh... Oh, you are sad right now. Oh, you are angry. You are distraught. You are confused, whatever. That already is educating your child. 100%. On what proper emotions that is. Um, I think it should be incorporated into every single grade, personally. Yep. Like, yeah, you're right because it really it like it can start in kindergarten. You can have like a feelings wheel. You don't have to feelings in kindergarten wheel? like for example, in kindergarten you don't have to educate kids about Oh my gosh, these are suicidal thoughts. Here's what you no. do. Right. That that's different. But like small tidbits of like mental health and emotional well-being yep. and emotional Even like awareness. Behavior mm-hmm. outbursts. Everyone knows that in kindergarten you're gonna get angry and you're gonna throw a tantrum. Have a little tantrum rug. Oh, you wanna have a tantrum? That's okay, you're angry. Go over on the rug where it's safe, yep. where you can calm down, yep. and then you can come back and like teach kids how to regulate their emotions from a young age. And then as they get older, you incorporate more things. You know, we we had dare drug abuse resistance education, right? Throwback. Why? <laughs> God, throwback. But then, why isn't there? Again, you say health class. We put on drunk goggles, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, this is so fun!" It's fun. Right. It's fun. Why was it that not followed up with substance abuse education? Yep. What that looks like, how it impacts you, how it impacts your family. Like, there is no continuancy of education in terms of mental health at all and if some school called me up and said hey can you come talk to my sixth grade class about this i'd I'd do it for free in a heartbeat in a heartbeat when and where i'll take work off i'll use my pto i don't care i will be there 100 percent. and i guarantee you there's more mental health professionals in the world that would say yes to that than no i agree i agree Okay, so what what's stopping right, education? What's stopping? I know budget funding stigma 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 in public schools stigma stigma in public schools. Well, we're gonna we're gonna increase the rates of suicide if we talk about it. Yeah. What? Oh my God, that show that came out—that's just teaching everyone how to commit suicide, how to die by suicide. Yeah. Die by suicide. Thank you for no. Correcting yourself. <laughs> it's yeah. <laughs> like we get taught in school. We're never going to do a therapy session and be the reason or choose or like create more issues for someone. Or when we ask someone, we have to do a risk assessment. Are you having thoughts of killing yourself? Yes. We're not going to put those thoughts into right. somebody's head. Right. Making, asking questions and making statements about mental health or suicide is not going to make people have mental health illness or suicidal thoughts. It's going to make people. They're not linked right. together. 
it's going to make people feel more comfortable to talk about it because then it's not this super taboo thing that's like, I can't talk about that because that's not a good thing or that's not how everyone else feels and no one's going to relate to me. Okay, real quick. You just calling mental health like a like potential taboo topic. Sex education. Sex is clearly taboo and and like especially in like the in education system. Mm-hmm. When how old were you guys when you started to have sex education classes or start oh, implementing fourth that? Grade. Fourth grade. Right. Why why not? Why is sex a taboo remember. topic but it's still important enough to educate fourth graders about it. Yeah, my teacher brought in her pregnancy birth video. Oh my God, you my just class. brought back a, like a memory the that I completely forgot about. Fourth grade, I had to watch this bitch giving... We no, all had to watch in middle school. I do school. not want to watch my teacher giving birth. Absolutely not. Ours wasn't <laughs> our teacher, but we had to watch a traumatic birth video. Event, traumatic event in my... <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> in middle school, we watched a birth video. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Mine was fourth grade. Why are we talking about that? Why are we? Why do I need to watch a baby coming out of a vagina when I could be talking about mental health or how I feel like as or, a fourth grader, I'm actually having thoughts of like, oh, I would I maybe cut myself. I want to literally not be on this I earth have anymore. Anxiety, right? And they I'm don't have to be mutually. Parents. We There's don't all these things. We don't. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. That, we could watch a pregnancy video and also and talk about the fact also. that people have feelings. Maybe about the pregnancy video. Well, I think, I think <laughs> Maybe yes. we should do that check in. Yeah. Like what? That's the biggest thing. It's not. We shouldn't be talking about sex education. It, uh, no, of course. We should be talking about sex ed- education and, and mental health education. Well, it should be part of the curriculum. The 100%. point I was trying to make there is that they're equally as taboo. Yes. So why, like that is that's the question that I'm having. Are they of like, though? Because they're not. I don't think they are. Everyone has sex, right? It's reproductive rights. Everyone has mental health issues. Everyone's driven to have sex. Yeah, but maybe no, that's but the that's, problem. That's not the idea. Everyone does have say. mental health issues, but that is not the way we talk about it. But it Everybody, should be. <laughs> mental yes. illness is schizophrenia, suicide. It's not. Oh, I just have a little anxiety when yep. I go in a social situation. Yes. Oh, get over it. And that's the thing is as taboo as sex might be. And, uh, you know, it's probably it might be more taboo in some cultures and things like that. Everybody does have sex. Right. Like we know that sex is in the Bible, sex, whatever. So even if it's a taboo topic, it's like we know that everybody experiences this. People don't want to admit that about mental health. They don't want to admit that everybody will have a mental health struggle or will experience something that affects their mental health in some way. Because everybody has emotion. Not saying everybody has meets criteria for fucking major depressive disorder no. or schizophrenia or schizoaffective. Yeah, but everyone is depressed. But hey, newsflash, everybody feels emotion. So oh, right. everyone gets sad, <laughs> everyone gets depressed. But that's what I mean is I think all it comes down to, we're getting very fired up over this. All it comes down to <laughs> is stigma. 100%. Stigma yeah. is the biggest thing. And that's why Morgan, shout out to Morgan Bronco because you are talking about it. Yes, and that's it needs the best to be way... About. To decrease stigma is to increase the conversation about what's going on. It has yes. to, yeah. Thank you also. And I think that norm, like the one of the biggest things that I think is very simple at the same time that any anyone and everyone can do is just normalizing yes. and relating Validating. to others. Like I remember an experience where I my, my mom's a kindergarten teacher and I went into her class once and the classroom next door was a first, ga- first grade class. And this girl uh, in the first grade class uh, she was talking to me and she said something about like, oh, like my daddy's in heaven. And I was like, oh my gosh, like my dad's also in heaven. And like, I was able to relate, 
with her and I wasn't like oh I'm gonna change the subject because she's too young and we it's shouldn't talk about this yeah. it's uncomfortable like no find a way for it to make sense at that developmental age yes. and talk about it and even if you are not sure what to say pro tip for everyone ask 100% what can I do to be helpful I am not sure what to what to do that's helpful how can I be helpful to you right now if you have someone who's dealing with a mental health problem you don't need to fucking know no just ask, how can I be helpful? Yep. Because someone is going to say, you know what, just sitting with you right now, that's, I appreciate that. Yep. You don't need to give the best answer. You don't need to educate. You don't need to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. If you're unsure, just ask them what's helpful. Everyone's going to have a different answer for what they need in that moment. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that just reminded me of the one of the most common misconceptions about therapy, I feel like, is like, oh, they're professional advice givers. Yeah, like, no, we literally, oh, actually, no. we don't give advice. No, For five, we're, we're not are, allowed this to. This is what we're told. Do not give people advice. Yep. Yeah. You'll say something and we'll be like, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> so. <laughs> I wonder if that yeah. has ever, if you've ever thought about how I that wonder. might be related to I your. That, like, happen, like, that happened to us like, last night. I was like, so what do you think I should do? And I was like, well, I think you should. And then I was like, actually, I'm not going to tell you what I think you should do. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put this back on you. Yeah. But no, I think it I really think it's more is. Impo- it's so it's it, that's what therapy is, is empowering someone to figure out what's best for them. 100%. Mm-hmm. Speaking of a very s- broken, fucked up system. Okay. <laughs> was the justice system talked about ever when you Ooh. guys were younger? That's an interesting question. And this is actually, I'm, I'm very curious and excited to hear both of your answers because knowing what I know of both of you. We're di- very different. And it's very different the way that you probably learned about the justice system for, you know, the reasons that you're probably going to describe. Oh, gosh. Yeah. My dad's an attorney. So. Complete opposite of me. Right. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Um, I'm sorry. My dad's retired now. He yes. was an attorney. And. For the majority of my childhood, he was doing public prosecution against like sex offenders. Interesting. That's that's heavy. Very heavy. Uh, I think it wasn't until like my junior year of high school that he moved into like the family court commissioner position. So he was doing more like divorce stuff. So like less heavy and less still uh, heavy. Still heavy. heavy. For different reasons. For different. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it was the the child like the child abuse aspect that was really like difficult for him. Yeah. Um, Sure. I don't think I ever, I think the justice system and and maybe like the brokenness of the system was always something that like my dad talked about and was like, you know, very transparent about. I don't think that there was a clear connection to like the justice system and mental health, which is now what I'm seeing of like, oh my gosh, a lot of the people that are in the system were not given the resources and the support that they needed to support their mental health. And mm-hmm. that is what I think was missing for a lot of my childhood about recognizing that link. And I wonder what, I wonder if or how it affected you in your learning of the system with your dad being in the prosecution aspect rather than defending. Totally. Because that's Great very interesting. Question. And I think that that's how maybe you see it mo- almost from a different totally. lens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, Morgan, I've talked to you about this, about how we talk all the time and I feel like in grad school about like, what are populations that you know that you can't work with? Yeah. And for me, I, because I'm working with these kids that are in an inpatient facility because of the severity of their trauma, a lot of times sexual trauma and sexual abuse, I 
don't think that I have the capacity to be empathetic towards perpetrators of sexual violence. Mm -hmm. And that is a very, that's something that I've had to come to terms with. And I don't know what the work would like, like to, like to break that down. Not that I think that I need to necessarily, because like, that's not where my career path is headed. Um, I think, I think knowing your biases though is, is, uh, a strong part of being a good therapist. Yeah, yeah, and we that's another thing that we, you know, we are taught to, because obviously identify. we're also human beings. So yeah. we're taught to identify our biases and know what populations we might have a more difficult time working with or maybe wouldn't be beneficial for the client to work with. Mm-hmm. So we refer out. Right. Like we are always, even if we're like, you know what, I don't think that it would be best for me to be your therapist. We're not just going to be like, Goodbye, screw you. No, we we're still gonna refer we'll you to someone, you someone because we else. want you to get help. Right. But we yeah. 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 Um, I think for me, again, very opposite from you, Lauren. Um wasn't really talked about. Um, I did have, you know, siblings in my immediate family that were involved in the justice system. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of getting in trouble legally, mm-hmm. um, being in juvie, um, there was a cop car parked out of my house mm-hmm. every day when I went to high school. Not for me, <laughs> not for me. Um, but you know, I you know I got pulled. You over. know what though? It would have been. It's okay if it was you. You're right. I know it wasn't you, I but even own, if it was, I would own that. It's okay. I would own that. Yes. And you know what? My siblings, I die for them. They're the best people ever. They've grown. They were they were dealing with their own things from their own trauma. And whatever, and I and I respect that. Um, but like, I got pulled over once for having a tail li- tail light out, mm-hmm. and the officer literally was like, "Oh, you're so and so," before I even gave them my ID. So, I how think, did that feel? I mean, I definitely grew up uh, with like this kind of connotation about who I was mm-hmm. because of my last name. Um, and it wasn't necessarily who I was, but I, you know, that definitely impacted how people viewed me. Um, I was a little hellion when I was in high school, though, so I'm like, fuck you. If you don't like me, then I'll give you a reason not to like me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I went with it, but, like, I would say that I'm much different than that now. But, yeah, maybe that's why I'm, like, not passive. Yeah. Right? Um, but I think there's a lot of reasons why you're not passive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But it, that, that that right there, at the, when you're getting pulled over and they're like, oh, we know who this is because the last name, yeah. that, you're already learning probably without even realizing it that you need to probably not be as passive. Um, right. And like I also was just stubborn as fuck about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also witnessed so many indecencies. Like I am a white person. My siblings are all white people. And the indecencies they had – from police officers just because of who they were. Um, that's why I'm like, I can't even imagine being, mm-hmm. you know, Not we like. have privilege. We have privilege, and that was happening. Right. Um, so that was very eye-opening, I think, being in high school, um, experiencing those things, and that has definitely made me view the justice system in a certain way. Like, I strongly believe that no one should be in jail because of marijuana. Right. Um, I sign petitions for that. I go out of my way to support that fight because I have strong personal feelings attached to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in Minneapolis. I lo- I was there when George Floyd happened. Like mm-hmm. I have strong feelings about that. Like um, I think my personal and like community experiences have changed my view. And 
and I also will say that I have worked in a role where I have worked with law enforcement in a professional standpoint, mm -hmm. which was very interesting. Um, and I think there's a lot of old school, like generational, like generational gaps in law enforcement that I've observed yeah. where um, there's law enforcement that's great and very inclusive and very understanding. And then there's the opposite spectrum of that. Yep. Um, and I don't have control over that. Mm -hmm. I'm not the one who says, but I, I do think, yeah, I mean, I've, I've viewed a lot of good things and a lot of really, really bad things. Yeah. Yeah. That was a long, that was a long answer. No, it's okay. Question. I think that was a great answer. And I think that it's hard, right? It's hard. It's hard to see things in life, in your own personal experience. It's hard to see things in the media and at the same time, like, especially for me professionally, right? Because I work in corrections and I work with law enforcement. I'm literally considered right now law enforcement. And for that, that was hard. That, it's still kind of hard for me to even say that out loud, right? Mm -hmm. Because. Why do you think that is? Because it's unfortunate that I, I view law enforcement as a negative thing mm -hmm. because of everything that I've seen or, um, or know people who have experienced really terrible, terrible things with, with the system and with law enforcement, right? Like, I personally don't think I can say that I've had a bad experience with law enforcement. I know a lot of people who have, and I've also witnessed with my own eyes really shitty things from law enforcement. At the same time, I know a ton of people who are in law enforcement who are great, 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 and I can't say that enough. But I think overall, Depending on who you are, some people are going to look at the idea and concept of law enforcement and be like, they are the here to help. And other people are going to look and think about law enforcement and be like, nope. They're out to get me. Or, nope. Yeah. So they are not here to help. It's interesting. Something you just said was, I haven't experienced it personally, but I've seen it a lot. And that has impacted me. Which is still an experience. Okay. So that's I one guess. of my like big interests in the psychology field is vicarious racism. Yes. Um, which is like new and up, it's not new and upcoming, but in terms of research, yeah. it's not widely researched. And that is a big thing. Viewing the protests of George Floyd as a black child on the screen, how does that impact you going out into a community in a different, if you yep. don't live in Minneapolis? like. It impacts you a lot. Yeah. Vicarious racism, vicarious trauma, all these things. Like, it impacts you a lot. And that plays a huge role, in my opinion, in the justice system because you already know if you identify in that racial group, like, that you're a target or whatever from a significantly young age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Just through vicarious experience. And that, to me, like, that's where the system needs to focus on because they're impacting way more people than they expect through social media realize. through media right mm -hmm. through the news through community through word of mouth yep all this stuff and there are i mean from day one this is ingrained in someone's who they are yes 100 percent. and it, that's actually a good point too because specifically when george floyd like when that happened i remember i had a i was having a really hard time i think for a few reasons like one just you know being 
a therapist at that time and all these, just all of these different like hats that I had to wear, right. not even have to wear, like would wear and choose to wear and all of these different aspects of myself. And like, I would spend days literally unpacking crying that. and unpacking right. that and feeling like, what the fuck is happening in the world? Or I feel so helpless or do I bring this up in a session or do I let them bring it up in but a that, session? But that again is alone. You're describing a vicarious experience. And so the and fact that I felt that way. How strong Then I would think about how, how does his, how can, I can't even imagine how his family feels. I can't imagine how he felt in that moment. The I can't imagine like. Or, right. The protector of those children. Yeah. It's in, it's very intense. And it was like every day I was sitting there thinking about how I, my experience is so different from other people and how I feel like a lot of times people look at me and they think that I'm like, um, like Hispanic or, so, or something. Right. But I'm white passing. Like I have so much privilege for the most part. Yeah. I'm, I feel like for the most part, I'm a white passing individual. Right. Yeah. So the fact that I couldn't help but think about that, like I would literally, I was literally crying. Some days I couldn't go to work or like class because I was like so fucked up from the fact that like, yeah. Specifically after the George Floyd incident. Specifically after this incident, because I'm like, this shouldn't be happening to anyone, and it's happening, and I feel like there's, I feel so helpless, and this is also, I feel like, why I work in the system, and, you know, I, I try everything in my possible power to, like, be some sort of positive light or change, but at the same time, I know that, like, I also can't save everyone. That's a and lot. And I can't wait. I can't hold that weight on my That's shoulders. That's a lot to put on your own self. And I go home from work, right? And I'm like, why am I so tired? And it's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe because like all day long, you're thinking about how the fuck you can like fix everybody yeah. or fix the system. Oh my God. I relate to that so much. Right? I think, I think so. that brings up a good point of like, how, how can you be helpful though? Like us being white people, how does our privilege like we don't we don't choose our skin tone right no one chooses mm -hmm. their skin tone but how does our privilege play an impact and like being educated on that and like or how do you use your privilege to help how how yep. to go about that right. how to educate yeah. others how to communicate with others in a, in a respectful way um how to be an ally like those are things that as a white person in general you should be doing mm -hmm. if you're not doing that you need to start yeah um if you need to know how to do that hit someone up because <laughs> we'll send you shit. Please, right. please hit us up. Right. Um, but I do think that's, that in itself has stigma to it. Yeah. Cause, cause there's a lot of majority population that get defensive in that, mm -hmm. um, in how like the justice system and mental health and all these things interact, like they get, that's their reaction is defensiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, that's like, a major problem in the system is, yeah. is why is that why is that happening why there's kind of this like segregation even between racial groups because of views yeah 100 percent. were you gonna say something did you want to add something i was just gonna add to the the defensiveness piece i think but also ignorance so i think a lot of times people are just not even aware lack of education yeah yeah and I think that it's important for everyone to remember like and this is i'm in no way saying this for people to like give up you know, on making change or whatever, because I feel like I work in a system every day and I'm, I work in the system and I want to work in the system. Like that is an active choice that I'm making to work in the system. And I know that it's not the best, right? So I'm every day working in a system that I'm also at the same time almost fighting against. You're trying as to- As an employee. Mm, yeah. I know that everybody I'm working with 
who are incarcerated, they're also, you know what I mean, like working against the system and feel like they're fighting the system. But I, I think it's just, it's important to know that a lot of this stuff obviously stems from when we are very young. Most people get their outlooks and views from their parents and, and their education. upbringing, education, lack of experience, you know, all these things. So like, I think it's important to when you're trying to implement change or you do feel like at a loss to be kind, really, really, really be kind to yourself and others and know that like there is only so much you can do. Okay. And that doesn't mean don't do those things and don't do everything others. you can. Huh? Be kind to most others. Yeah, be kind to most others. Don't be kind to the person that's standing oh, on the up street making racist, racist comments. Yeah, that's right. what I'm saying is like that Edu like educate them. there are some points <laughs> where ignorance takes over mm -hmm. and you have to accept that person well you don't have to accept that person, it's but that's who that person is that's that's their mind view and like it's unfortunate though some of those people yes. you can't it's you're not going to change and that's where it's, it's hard. i think it's ignorance to the point of like it's not even reality at that point right and that's that but and so like i i see that with mental illness that's For their sure. reality and that is so sad Right. Mm -hmm. We can walk away from that and be like, that is so sad because that is their reality. They grew up in a way or had well, a certain experience and that is their reality. And that is so sad. And some people. Yeah, but I will say that the argument, at least in my head, when you say mental health, like no one is choosing to be schizophrenic. Right. That's there's genes, there's environment like someone becomes schizophrenic and that's your life. I would not choose that on myself. If that happened to me, that's a choice I don't necessarily have control over. I can control how I manage that. Yes. But I don't get to control the diagnosis itself. Whereas I think in terms of educating yourself on cultural differences and being culturally competent and being inclusive, that is a fucking choice. It is a choice. And that is the difference but, between mental health and someone being fucking ignorant. Right. So when I was saying that that is so sad and they clearly grew up in a way that was whatever, th in my mind, I'm talking about the person that is standing on the street making racist comments. Okay, okay, okay. However, and the, but so I was relating it to mental health because I'm saying like that's their reality and like that literally breaks my heart for them for because it's like I can't believe that that's your reality. It, At the yeah. same time, when I sit with someone who is actively psychotic or delusional at the same time that also breaks my heart because i'm like everything you're saying you like this is the way you think this is that's your true. reality that's facts yeah. to you and i'm not here to um discredit Challenge that, that. Right. i think i'm, I'm I gonna let you say what you think and i'm not gonna discredit that because that is literally your reality right it's now how can we manage you living in your reality it's easier to empathize with mental health 100% because I don't want that person. I don't uh, want that I'm person. Good. I don't want to teach I'm that person how you. to manage their reality because in my mind, they need to change it. No, I'm, I'm, in my mind, they're wrong. Right. So in, you're saying their reality is wrong. How they perceive reality is wrong. For certain political standpoints, yeah. I yeah. Agree. And I, I think that that's that. also, though, a really hard thing, and I think that's why there's so much, like, Stigma. Stigma and like, yeah. Fucking stigma. <laughs> Speaking of stigma. It all comes back to stigma and why we started this company in the first place. That's what I was just going to say. Like, speaking of, speaking of fucking stigma, how do you guys feel like, I guess, how do you guys put that into your work and your efforts? Like, how do you think that you 
you know, work every day. Obviously, we know that you guys work in the mental health field. So how do you now take that into your label and clothing line and kind of like try to put that out to the world in the community? Yeah, um, good question. I think that, you know, before we even started the company, we really thought a lot about what our mission was. Um, and I think something that we hold to kind of the core value of this company is like, decreasing stigma by increasing conversation, right? Around mental health specifically, all of the clothes that we create are usually like inspired, I guess would be a good word. They're inspired by the people we work with. Mm -hmm. um, and we take those concepts and turn it into artwork. And essentially the artwork we put on our clothes is supposed to help destigmatize mental health by increasing conversations like those difficult like the conversation we're having now the difficult conversation around mental health and stigma and why it's there and yeah why do you have trauma why do you have depression why do you why do you have anxiety like what causes that how does it play a role in your life like the clothes that we make are supposed to ignite those conversations mm -hmm. and thus decrease stigma i actually did this like event recently um Lauren, unfortunately, could not be there because we don't live in the same state right now. But it's tough. It's tough running <laughs> it a business tough. in different it states. It is tough. Oh, we yeah. make it work. We make it work. But it's tough. But it was, um, you know, I think mental health impacts everyone. And that was really evident at the pop-up event because there was older people. There was young people. There was, you know, people across different, like, races and ages and sexualities that were like, oh, my God this is me. Mm. I experience this or my best friend experiences this or my nephew or whomever. Yeah. Everyone has a relation to mental health. Um, whether or not you've had trauma, whether or not you feel like you have a mental illness diagnosis, like you've experienced some type of stress, some type of feelings, like, and that impacts your day-to-day -day life. But we don't necessarily talk about that all the time. We don't necessarily talk about the support that we need, the resources that are out there. Yep. As we stated earlier, education is like pretty much a no-go on <laughs> mental health. Yep. Um, but yet everyone's involved in it somehow. And so we wanted to create this company in order to have pieces that people can just wear out, nonchalant, but it's creating those conversations. Um, it's letting people know, hey, I am moody, right? I'm moody. Um, and I also support other people who are moody. Yeah. And I also support other people who have that, even if I have that, or I support my loved ones who have that. Um, and so through that, we try to provide education. We try to provide, like, resources. a place. Yeah, pl a place where people have discussions to get resources. Um, that ties, I think, like, like our spill, spill Your mm -hmm. Guts campaign, I think, yep. is, like, a perfect example of, like, this is our effort to genuinely make people feel like they can share their story without without yeah. any fear of being judged or um, you know, granted it's it's you can choose, you know, how much you share in that and you can also choose like if you have your name, your pronouns, all that stuff. We're giving people the freedom to share what they want to express, express that they want to express. Yeah. And normalize other experiences that people are having because I think a big misconception too in the mental health world is like oh my, 
and I, I'm and alone I can, in this. Uh, yeah, and I can speak to that myself because I have my own mental health. Everyone has mental health issues. I will be the person to say that. But Me for too. my own mental health, like I so often find myself being like, why the hell am I depressed? I am so fucking privileged. I have a good family. I have good support. I have good friends. And so you're like de- you're, you're, you're comparing yourself and you're comparing your experiences and it's invalidating yeah. your own invalidating emotions and your mm-hmm. own mental health struggles. And so that spill your guts campaign, which I, you know, is on our social media, it's on our website, all that stuff is to really start the conversation about yeah. this is how mental health has played a role in my life. This is how yeah. mental health was brought up in my life. And this is how I'm going to continue to talk about mental health. Um, yeah. I think that you just reminded me of like a quick, like personal story that I feel like I want to tell is that invalidating piece and I hear so many times and like when I was younger maybe I was probably guilty of this too of being like what do you mean you feel sad or depressed like you have you have nothing to be depressed why would you feel depressed yeah and I hate that so much and again that I might have been saying that at one point in my life I don't know sorry um but I will never forget the time that I went to a doctor medical doctor like primary care whatever And I am a complete open book, so I am very open with my mental health and whatever. Like, I have been on antidepressants, antidepressants for... Shit. A while now. (laughs) Since high school, for sure. Since high school. For me, like, after my dad passed, it was like... uh, I need something else, because whatever's happening in my life isn't working. Yeah. Um, And I will never forget, I went to a doctor, and he was like, saw my fucking chart. And he was like, oh, you're on whatever. And I was like, yeah. He's like, how long have you been on that? I told him, he's like, you don't look too depressed. <gasps> Hell no. And I was like, <laughs> I've had some, I've had some experiences. Like I was that like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm okay. doing pretty good right now. Thanks. Side note for all mental health professionals. If you work, I don't care if you're a fucking psychiatrist. I don't care if you're a social worker. If you work no, in the mental health field and you tell someone you don't look okay, anorexic no. or you don't look like you have an eating disorder or you don't look depressed or anxious. That should be for all med- medical professionals. So medical not just professionals. mental health. You're right. You're right. Medical professionals. Yep. Get on board with mental health mm-hmm. because we're going to take over someday. Yeah. And if you're not into that, if you cannot understand the mind-body connection, like someone is not obese because they're just, they choose to be obese. They could be depressed. They could have all these other things that impact their ability to function. It's not just that they want to be obese. So and if you're going to get on board, <laughs> right. get on board. Like, and if you're going to sit there in your primary care office and prescribe antidepressants like they're fucking skittles then definitely get on board because that's exactly what um, they do yeah because every person who comes to me that's on meds i'm like how did you get these medications oh, my oh PCC. i was i was prescribed by my pcp i i me gave too. it 1000 i filled out a five minute assessment it was 10 questions and now i'm on this high like dosage medication yep if you're seeing a psychiatrist if you're seeing pcp that gives you medication Please, for the life of you, get a fucking therapist in addition to that person who is giving you medication because yes. we can inform yes. your medical doctor on how that is impacting your life to a level that they cannot do due to time constraint of their field. Yes. It's not that we don't love them. We love them. But they we don't love have them and the we time. need them. They don't get to sit and just talk to you for an hour and understand who you are. Yes. We can provide them with recommendations on how your medication might need to be tweaked or changed based mm-hmm. on how you're experiencing it to a point that they cannot do that. 
What do you both hope that consumers and, you know, people who buy your clothes, what do you guys hope that they learn from or gain from your brand? Well, one thing that I think we didn't mention earlier is that we really try to be inclusive. Everything we buy is completely unisex. It's ungendered. It's customizable. We are not creating these outfits until you order them. You get to pick the color. You get to pick the size. You get to pick the like the design pretty much like do you want it in a pullover or a t-shirt do you want it in green or blue or whatever like yeah everyone is unique everyone is different everyone experiences things differently everyone has likes and dislikes you get to pick what's best for you and I think that's something that is very unique to us it's like we're yeah. not mass producing anything mm-hmm. we're making one thing specifically to fit your unique style promoting individuality yeah, 100%. yeah inclusivity individuality we want you to be you and I also think like we're a very much at, like an advocate for like the health of us, the health of the world. We're not doing fast fashion. We don't, you know, we do the individuality for yourself, but also to like limit the waste that we have. We're not trying to yes. waste anything. We're trying to do as much as we can to promote that for the well-being of the world. Um, but, but again, and I think Lauren really hit on this, is just to promote like validation and normalization of mental health challenges just because you have a challenge does not mean it is a weakness yeah reframing that yeah yeah Yeah, i think like a lot of mental health really gives you an edge like i think oh yeah all of us experience emotions strongly and i think that makes us amplified to the emotions of others it helps us understand people that is not a weakness no although sometimes it does get in the way it is not a weakness and so really promoting that like validation and normalization of the things we experience in mental health. Mm-hmm. I love that. And kind of, I think also like exactly what you said, but also like shifting the paradigm of like, shifting the paradigm. <laughs> of like Amen. mental illness being this like awful prognosis. It's of, not like, a you're taboo. Never, you're never going to be able to live a normal life because you have this mental illness. That is the opposite of what we're trying to promote. We're trying to promote like you are incredible. Mm-hmm. It's a superpower. It, it literally yes, is though. and it doesn't define because your in mm-hmm. your mental illness does not define who you so are. So much more no. than a you diagnosis. are you, and you have oh, <laughs> oop, <laughs> and you have a mental illness that probably enables you to be more empathetic, mm-hmm. enables you to be right. more flexible, enables you to be more and understanding, very and, loyal, loving, yes. like all these things. Again, it's it's not a label. It doesn't define you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like, no, like, <laughs> Mic drop. yeah, no, I feel like if you take anything away from this episode, it's that first, like, so what you guys were just describing is like, you feel things so deeply. That's literally beautiful. It Sometimes beautiful. it might seem like the worst thing because you're like, why do I need to feel this so much? Double edged sword. Yeah. It is, but it's beautiful. But it's learning and how to make that beautiful. hundred percent. Which takes time also. So yes. give yourself some grace with that and reflection and also <laughs> consulting a mental health professional yeah. so yeah so <laughs> go to therapy everyone needs to go to therapy learn, <laughs> if you take anything away from this episode it is that as well as your mental health does not define you your yeah. criminal charges or involvement does not define absolutely you absolutely not and and we're fighting for you guys yes we are fighting for you guys mental health and justice system like and you guys includes us 100 because like so that's that's the thing you don't have to you're not alone you're not alone and you don't have to feel like oh i can't live a functional life and have this right because people would probably look at me and be like morgan i like doesn't 
deal with anything. Like whatever. I can't get a job because I have a record. Like, no, we are fighting for you. Every day. So fight for yourself because you have support. Yeah. From us. And also recognize that the system fucking sucks sometimes. And that. Yeah. yeah. A lot of yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. A lot of times there are things that are out of our control that really impact our ability to make movement in that sense too. Yeah. I want to thank you guys for number one, being so vulnerable and honest and sharing not only your individual stories, but also like you guys as therapists and human beings, right? Because we all, like I said, kind of wear these different hats and have a lot of aspects to ourselves. I think that you guys shed light on a lot of different things today. Um, some of it, which I've already mentioned, of like certain things don't define you. These things don't need to be labels. They are just things that we experience and that is perfectly fine and in some ways beautiful and kind of reframing that. Um, and also like ask for help we're here trying to break down the stigma and like have these conversations Strength and we numbers. we're not saying it's easy because it's really not. That's one of the things that I think that we can probably all say when we're in therapy and someone comes to therapy for the first time. It's like, we literally applaud you. We're like, what you're doing right now it's is the first step. As fuck. Like, it it's really so is. Great. It's a lot. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a lot. So really. I think that, and you guys, I think really talked a lot about it, like individuality and how, some people experience things some ways and you know, you guys might've experienced things this way and same with me and just kind of all around. So I appreciate you guys. And obviously I love you. Like oh, I love you guys yeah. so much. Um, and everybody go follow not only this podcast, but also <laughs> the legacy, the label, everything will be underneath. You guys can like, follow, subscribe, comment, um, go follow legacy, the label, buy some of their stuff. We're all wearing it. It's great. It's fucking comfy as starts hell. Motherfucking so conversation. It starts conversations. The comfies you need in your life. You the guys. comfies you need in your life. And Not also not purpose. to mention every month, I might be saying this wrong, so correct me, but every month, um, we donate a portion of their proceeds. Yeah. Are donated to a certain cause yep. and charity. So and that being said, if you guys have like agencies or organizations, nonprofits that you want us to donate to send us a DM. We're always looking for like smaller community based ones because we know that those are often missed and we love to hit those up because we are small ourselves and we yes. try to spread the love. Yeah. You guys want to plug yourselves? Tell your Instagram. Ooh. At where your legacy. Where, where your legacy. Your legacy. <laughs> It'll be down below, but I figured, you know, get the plug in real get quick. Um, yeah, and thank you guys. Mm, thank you. Oh, this is so this. fun. I love this. Thank you guys for coming. You're the best. <laughs>